Hello, this is R.J. Deacon reading the Supreme Court of the United States Opinion Syllabus in TransUnion v. Ramirez, certiorari to the United States Court of Appeal for the Ninth Circuit. Argued March 30th, 2021. Decided June 25th, 2021. The Fair Credit Reporting Act regulates the consumer reporting agencies that compile and disseminate personal information about consumers, 15 U.S.C. Section 1681 at SEC. The Act also creates a cause of action for consumers to sue and recover damages for certain violations, Section 1681 N.A. TransUnion is a credit reporting agency that compiles personal and financial information about individual consumers to create consumer reports and then sells those reports for use by entities that request information about the creditworthiness of individual consumers. Beginning in 2002, TransUnion introduced an add-on product called OFAC, Name Screen Alert. When a business opted into the Name Screen service, TransUnion would conduct its ordinary credit check of the consumer, and it would also use third-party software to compare the consumer's name against a list maintained by the U.S. Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Assets Control, OFAC, of terrorists, drug traffickers, and other serious criminals. If the consumer's first and last name match the first and last name of an individual on OFAC's list, then TransUnion would place an alert on the credit report indicating that the consumer's name was on a was a potential match to a name on the OFAC list. At that time, TransUnion did not compare any data other than first and last names. A class of 8,185 individuals with OFAC alerts in their credit files, sued TransUnion under the Fair Credit Reporting Act for failing to use reasonable procedures to ensue the accuracy of their credit files. The plaintiffs also complained about formatting defects in certain mailings sent to them by TransUnion. The parties stipulated pri prior to trial that only uh, 1,853 class members, including the named plaintiff Sergio Ramirez, had their misleading credit reports containing OFAC alerts provided to third parties during the seven-month period specified in the class definition. The internal credit files of the other 6,332 class members were not provided to third parties during the relevant time period. The district court ruled that all class members had Article III standing on each of the three statutory claims. The jury returned a verdict for the plaintiffs and awarded each class member statutory damages and punitive damages. A divided panel of the Ninth Circuit affirmed in relevant part. A Supreme Court held. Decision below is reversed and remanded, and Justice Kavanaugh delivered the opinion of the court. Only plaintiffs concretely harmed by a defendant's statutory violation have Article III standing to seek damages against that private defendant in federal court. Article III confines the federal judicial power to the resolution of cases and controversies in which a plaintiff has a personal stake. That's Reigns versus Byrd. To have Article III standing to sue in federal court, a plaintiff must show, among other things, that the plaintiff suffered concrete injury in fact, so Lujan versus Defenders of Wildlife. Central to assessing 
concreteness is whether the asserted harm has a close relationship to a harm traditionally recognized as providing a basis for a lawsuit in American courts. That's um, Spokio versus Robbins. That inquiry asks whether plaintiffs have identified a close historical or common law analog for their asserted injury. Physical or monetary harms readily qualify as concrete injuries under Article 3, and various intangible harms, like reputational harms, can also be concrete. Article 3 standing requires a concrete injury, even in the context of a statutory violation. The court has rejected the proposition that a plaintiff automatically satisfies the injury in fact requirement whenever a statute grants a person a statutory right and purports to authorize that person to sue to vindicate that right. An injury in law is not an injury in fact. The court applies the fundamental standing requirement of concrete harm to this case. In their reasonable procedures claim, all 8,185 class members maintain that TransUnion did not do enough to ensure that misleading OFAC alerts labeling them as potential terrorists were not included in their credit files. See section 1681EB. TransUnion provided third parties with credit reports containing OFAC alerts for 1,853 class members, including the name Plaintiff Ramirez. Those 1,853 class members therefore suffered a harm with a close relationship to the harm associated with the tort of defamation. Um, that's quoting Spokio. Under long-standing American law, a person is injured when a def defamatory statement that would subject him to hatred, contempt, or ridicule is published to a third party. That's uh, Milkovich versus Lorraine Journal. The court has no trouble concluding that the 1,853 class members suffered a concrete harm that qualifies as an injury in fact. The credit files of the remaining 6,332 class members also contained misleading OFAC alerts, but the parties stipulated that TransUnion did not provide those plaintiffs' credit information to any potential creditors during the designated class period. The mere existence of inaccurate information absent dissemination, traditionally has not provided the basis for a lawsuit in American courts. The plaintiffs cannot demonstrate that the misleading information in the internal credit files itself constitutes a concrete harm. The plaintiffs advance a separate argument based on their exposure to the risk that the misleading information would be disseminated in the future to third parties. The court has recognized that material risk of future harm can satisfy the concrete harm requirement in the context of a claim for injunctive relief to prevent harm from occurring, at least so long as the risk of harm is sufficiently imminent and substantial. See, um, Spokio, and that was citing Clapper versus Amnesty International. But TransUnion advances a persuasive argument that the mere risk of future harm without more cannot qualify as a concrete harm in a suit for damages. The 6,332 plaintiffs did not demonstrate that the risk of future harm materialized. Nor did those plaintiffs present evidence that the class members were independently harmed by their exposure to the risk itself. The risk of future harm cannot supply the basis for their standing. In two other claims, all 8,185 class members 
complained about formatting defects in certain mailings sent to them by TransUnion, but the plaintiffs have not demonstrated that the format of TransUnion's mailings caused them a harm with a close relationship to a harm traditionally recognized as providing a basis for a lawsuit in American courts. That's uh, Spokio again. The plaintiffs argue that TransUnion's formatting violations created a risk of future harm because consumers who received the information in the dual mailing format were at risk of not learning about the OFAC alert in their credit files and thus not asking for corrections. The risk of future harm on its own is not enough to support Article 3 standing for their damages claim. In any event, the plaintiffs here made no effort to explain how the formatting error prevented them from asking for corrections to prevent future harm. The United States' amicus curiae asserts that the plaintiffs suffered a concrete informational injury from TransUnion's formatting violations. See uh, Federal Election Commission versus Aikens and Public Citizens versus Department of Justice. But the plaintiffs here did not allege that they failed to receive any required information. They argued only that they received the information in the wrong format. Moreover, an asserted informational injury that causes no adverse effects does not satisfy Article 3. The decision below is reversed and remanded. Justice Kavanaugh delivered the opinion of the court in which Chief Justice Roberts and Justices Alito, Gorsuch, and Barrett joined. Justice Thomas filed a dissenting opinion, in which Justices Breyer, Sotomayor, and Kagan joined. Justice Kagan filed a dissenting opinion, in which Justices Breyer and Sotomayor joined. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support the podcast, I can uh, be found on Patreon. You can get a hold of me at RhodesScholar80 at Gmail. That's roads like the truck driving road and the number 80 or find a PayPal link in the show notes.